Well, if you have your Bibles with you, if you can open up to Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't have your Bibles, there should be one right in front of you in that pew. If you were here last night, you know that I'm struggling with a bit of a head cold, so if I start coughing, there I go. Maybe not so disgustingly, but you get the point. You know, I'm not sure what your gift opening traditions are for your family, but I'll tell you what the Ackley family does. By the way, our kids have not yet opened their gifts, and they are so appreciating a long sermon for me. <laughs> my son, my oldest son, Matthew, is gonna, his job today is to stand right next to me after church with his hand on my shoulder, facilitating my quick and hasty departure. <laughs> but uh, here's what the Ackley family does. We wake up on Christmas morning, and of course we go like most of us do. We go into Scripture and we read the Word of God, and we pray, and we get our hearts aligned the best that we can. Obviously, when I was a kid, I really couldn't wait till my dad got done with Luke chapter 2. But there's a lot of joy in that, and what we do is we take turns. We take one gift at a time, and one family member goes, usually from youngest to oldest, or the other way around, we go in order, and they get one gift, and they open it, and we all enjoy the privilege of unwrapping these blessings together. And that's what we do, and it's one of the things that I wanted to do this morning with you. I want to help you, again, unwrap Jesus Christ. What a gift. And Isaiah does this for us. So if you've got your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 9 is our text this morning. He's going to unwrap this gift, and it's going to be an incredible Moment, because every piece of wrapping that he takes off the Son of God, the gift of God to us, every piece of wrapping that he takes off is going to show you a little more of the beauty, the character, the attributes of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a wonderful unwrapping ceremony. And we're only going to actually get through half of it. Verse 6. It goes on in verse 7, but we're going to get through verse 6. And here's what the text says. You have your Bibles with you. Here's the verse. You heard it this morning, actually, already with the worship team. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. What's that mean? Well, we're going to look at that in a minute. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, it goes on, of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We're going to unwrap, Isaiah is rather going to unwrap, and we're going to follow him. We're going to be in attendance like we do in our family. As one of our kids unwraps their gift, the rest of us are watching, and we're experiencing and living out their joy as well. Well, we're going to do that. Isaiah is going to unwrap the gift of Jesus, and we're going to watch. And it's going to be important because if you go back in your text, or you can look behind me in verse 2 of that chapter, Israel is struggling. Actually, it's Judah. Remember, it's two kingdoms. In Israel's ten tribes to the north, Judah, two tribes to the south. Judah is struggling. There's a lot of darkness and a lot of gloom. 
They've got threats coming to them from the north, threats coming all over the place. Are they going to survive was the question. I mean, literally, listen, we don't really think like this in our generation. But their question was, are we going to survive as a people? Are we going to make it through what seems so desperate? My father was alive through the Great Depression and the stories that he told me very much darkness, very much gloom. Are we going to make it as a nation? And Isaiah is prophesying that God will endure his people. He will because there will come a son of David. And he's going to be the one that brings light of hope into our world. He'll bring salvation. So we get to verse 6. And that light has a name. His name is Jesus, the glory of the Father. He's illuminating the world. Jesus, a gift from God, made clear as Isaiah writes, look at what he writes, to us a son is given. That's gift language. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, God is giving a gift. To us a son is given. You don't go out and get it. You don't go to a store and grab salvation. You don't grab Jesus. He comes to us. He's a gift from the Father. Friends, have you ever thought, spiritually speaking, we are gift receivers? We are gift receivers. Some of us don't receive very well, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Some of you are great, great givers. You're not so good at receiving But we are gift receivers. And as we unwrap the gift of Jesus Christ that Isaiah is telling us about, his beauty and his greatness becomes very, very quickly and amazingly obvious. Look what he writes. The government will be on his shoulders. Ladies, can you look at me for a minute? This is beautiful. This is wedding covenantal language. Because oftentimes in the wedding ceremonies of the ancient Hebrews, the ladies would wear a light veil over their face on the day of their wedding. They'd wear it anyways, but on the day of their wedding, they would wear that veil and they would walk to their soon-to-be-pronounced husband. And during the ceremony, listen, the husband would take that veil off of his bride's face And lay it upon his shoulder, signifying that it was now his responsibility, his privilege to lead her, to care for her in strength and in love. And as Isaiah unwraps this gift, here's the first piece of paper coming off the gift of Jesus. He unwraps this gift of God's Son. We see the Messiah, we see the Savior shouldering the responsibility to redeem, to lead, and to care for God's people. Listen, if you put your faith in Jesus, then the government, your leadership, is Jesus. He's taken that responsibility and he will not only author, but he will finish your faith. He'll perfect it. You know, the phrase was used another way. Every king had his most trusted advisor, his most trusted administrator. And that administrator would be given the key to the city gate by the king, either literally or figuratively by sewing a symbol of a key upon the shoulder of the gown of the administrator that signified this is the chief 
assistant to the king. See, God has exalted Jesus. He has the key. The government is on his shoulders. He has the rulership. He is the king. So all of a sudden, we've got this gift. And Isaiah says, let me take one little piece of this paper off and show you. He's your king. He's the ruler. He is exalted. And then he continues to unwrap the gift of the son. And we discover next, look at your text. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. There's something bad about our modern translations. They don't do justice to this part. You know why? Because it makes it a phrase. Wonderful counselor, like wonderful is an adjective and counselor is the noun. That's not what this is. It's wonderful and counselor. They're two descriptions. Listen, there's only one name. Look at the plural. There's no plural. There's no names. Look at your text. It's singular. It's one name. And now all of these descriptions, his attributes and his character quality, Isaiah begins to unfold. Listen, this is Jesus, and he's got all of these embodiment of attributes. And two of them are he's wonderful and he's a counselor. You know, the word wonderful means separate, distinguished, Great, marvelous, the Son is glorious, He's remarkable, we behold Him as He truly is, and it fills us with wonder and amazement. Haven't you had those times? I I can remember distinct times in my life, I am sure you can remember them as well, where it seems that God sort of flicks on a flashlight in my heart. And I see Jesus more clearly than I've ever seen it before. And all of a sudden, I'm filled with adoration. Sometimes it happens in little ways, little LED bursts right in the middle of worship on Sunday mornings or Saturday evening. And all of a sudden, my hands go up because my heart's responding in adoration. Some of you did that this morning. That's beginning of the song. You're singing it. Halfway through the song, your hands are coming up. Because that little light's coming on and it's filling you with adoration. That's the gift. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is wonderful. He's separate. He's distinguished from any other person. You know, I have so many people so often come up to to me and they'll say, Pastor Tim, you tell us that we've got to be reading the Bible. You've got to be studying the Bible. But I want to be honest, the Bible's boring to me. Now listen, I know I'm speaking some of your language. Don't even try to deny it. I can see right through you. No, I can't really, but I'm trying to pretend I can. That might be some of you. And you know what I always tell people? If the Bible is boring, listen, this is the truth. If the Bible's boring to you, then Jesus Christ is boring. Because the Bible centers and focuses and exalts all about Jesus Christ. The Bible is the word of the living God. It is the Logos. It is centered on the person and the exaltation of Christ. All the way from Genesis 3, where he's going to bruise the head of the serpent. All the way to Revelation, where he's exalted and leading his people to freedom and triumph. The Bible's all about Jesus, and if the Bible's boring to you, then Jesus is. So Isaiah unwraps it and says, listen, Jesus, this gift, this son, he's wonderful. And he's a counselor. 
meaning he's honorable. He has a rank that is worthy to advise kings. He intercedes for us. He sits next to the Father, and he and the Spirit take counsel with the Father for our good. He prays for us. He speaks to the Father on our behalf. He's the great mediator, the high priest that says to the Father, I've covered my son, my sister, and my brother, and my blood. They're your son. They're your daughter. Bless them. Pour out your favor upon them. This is the counselor. This is Jesus. Listen, Jesus knows what you need. This is Christmas. Just got an email last night from somebody in our church who came to the Christmas Eve service and wrote me and said, Pastor Tim, why did you encourage me to come? I have no wife. I have no children. It's the loneliest time of the year and I come and I see 300 people packed into the first service and it just accentuates and emphasizes I am utterly alone. Why did you tell me to come? I will not be there next year. Listen, God knows where he's at. But for a lot of people, this is the worst time of the year. For I really meant it. You are here. You are the refined worshipers. You're here. Nobody. Well, some of you kids may have been dragged here. I understand that. My kids are freely here of their own accord. (laughs) But you're here to worship. This is important. Jesus is so central to your life. But that's not everybody. This is a difficult time of the year, and God knows Jesus ministers right to where they are. This is Jesus. This is Father's the Father's gift to us. He's the wonderful and the counselor. Psalm 16:7 says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. But listen, counsel can only go so far. I I counsel people constantly. And I can give them the truth and I can show them this is what the Bible tells you. But something, someone has to give them the power to obey the word of God. And so Isaiah unwraps a little bit more. And all of a sudden we see he's the wonderful and he's the counselor. But look next, Isaiah says he's our mighty God. He has the power. Listen, if Jesus is going to instruct you and to counsel you, he will give you the power to obey it. He will never ask you to do something that he will not give you the strength to fulfill. Never. By the way, that's legalism. And if you've been in a legalistic church, you know how it feels. Here's what you've got to do. I have no power to help you do it, but you've got this 100,000 ton weight of burden and guilt on your shoulders. Well, Jesus never does that. Here's what you need to do, and here's the power that I'm willing to give you. He's the mighty God. And there's no mistaking here that Isaiah sees this child. He's fully God, fully man, the mighty God born as the humble baby. Doesn't this, when we unwrap this gift, doesn't it just sort of drive humility a little bit deeper into your heart? We're not the mighty God. And we're really not that wonderful. And we're really not that good at counseling. Not in comparison to this son. And it drives that humility in Philippians 2, being in very nature God. This is Jesus. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
You know, Ravi Zacharias tells of an incident. Ravi Zacharias is a just a fantastic theologian, speaker, book writer. But I can't tell you. I mean, I recommend everything he writes. He wrote. He writes of a, of an incident. He was young. He grew up in India, and he grew up in a you know it's a caste system over there, and so you have very clearly delineated, demarcated levels of social ladder, and you cannot get out of it. And Zacharias's family, they were fairly well off, and they had servants. They had household staff. Well, his mother was so generous. She gave one of their household staff some money and said, go, said to him, take this money, and I want you to go for the first time in your life, go to the theater and watch a movie. He had never been before. He was that poor. He does. Except in this theater... One of the entrances was from the front. And he walks in a little bit late to this darkened theater. The movie was already going and he stops in the doorway as the door closes behind him. And he sees this opening in the wall of the rear of that theater room. And he sees beams of light coming out of that. And he says, wow, this is what it's like to see a movie? dazzling, brilliant beams of light. And then his eyes began to adjust to the dark and he began to see everybody sitting there looking that way. And he turns around and on the screen sees this full kaleidoscope of color and images and movement. And he hollers out in Hindi what is equivalent to what we sometimes have said, Eureka. It's a pronunciation of sheer incredible amazement. He had never seen anything like, it, like that before in his life. But he looked at the, the beams of light first and then all of a sudden realized that's nothing in comparison to this. This is us. And when Isaiah unwraps the gift of Jesus and we see him more clearly than we've ever seen and we turn around and we see him as he really is, all of a sudden Eureka erupts in our hearts and we are filled with adoration and praise and ready to live our lives to serve him. I think this is Isaiah's heart cry. I think this is what Isaiah is doing. I think what he's saying is turn around and see the Son of God the way that I'm showing you. And he goes on and he says, as he unwraps us a little bit more, he's the everlasting Father. And we would say, what? What do you mean, Isaiah, that the Son is the everlasting Father? He's the second person of the Trinity. He's forever been the Son. Why are you calling him the everlasting Father? And then all of a sudden you climb into the Hebrew language and you understand this is an idiom. This is a Hebrew idiom that means he who possesses something is the ruler of it. And what Isaiah is saying is that he's the king. He's been exalted. The son has been exalted. He stands. He's the wonderful and counselor. He stands at the right hand of the father and the father has given him all things to rule and he possesses it and he will bring out his will to bear on the earth and he will redeem it. He is our God. We are his people. We will forever be filled with his wonderful counsel, power, and love. And we hear this fatherly cry when he looks upon Jerusalem the week before he was crucified. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often, 
Would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not? Fathers, mothers, have you not had your children walk away from the Lord and make poor decisions and felt the ache of your heart? This is Jesus. He has a fatherly heart. He who rules does the possessing. And Isaiah then takes the final piece of wrapping paper in verse 6. And he takes it off of the gift of Jesus. And he says, he is our prince of peace. Everybody say shalom. Shalom. That's the Hebrew word here for peace. You're familiar with it. But you know what? Maybe you don't know this. The Jews used shalom as a greeting to ask after the health of someone. Now listen, not only as a greeting, but as a farewell. They were to greet one another in peace, and they were to send people away in peace. You know why? Because they never knew. They would say this. This would be the last word they would say to their father as he traveled on business because they never knew in that dangerous time if he would come back. And Jesus is saying, I am... Isaiah is saying, this will be your peace. This will be your blessing. Jesus will link your hand with the Father. Jesus will mediate. Jesus will rid the barrier of sin and he will take the wrath of the Father because of our sins upon himself, leaving room for God's kindness, favor, and peace. He's the Messiah. And that's why Paul can say in Ephesians, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you had that barrier of sin between us and God. You've been brought near through the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. Do you hear that? This is a noun. This is a noun. Jesus is our peace. He is the one that has brought rest with us in God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Paul says, We have peace with God through Jesus. Friends, there is nothing in our lives, please hear this, which escapes God's attention and care. He knows everything you need. Do you believe that? He knows everything. And he loves you if you have put your faith in him. He has a family love for you that is stronger than any father has ever loved you. And he has words of guidance. He has counsel and he has has power. He is the mighty God that is for you in every situation you face. He stands at the right side of the father. He intercedes for you with perfect counsel. That mighty God, Jesus, has the power to accomplish everything he desires. And he is eternal and he cares for us with patience more than any earthly father. And sometimes, yes, he disciplines us out of his love, but only to bring us back to him. And he traveled from that manger, that feeding trough. What a humble birth. And my kids, they had the best hospitals we could find. Jesus, the Son of God, chose a cave and a feeding trough. Utterly alone, he, Mary, and Joseph. And he traveled from that manger to the cross, and he has made peace for us with his Father. He was born to die. He's our Redeemer.
See, Isaiah took that gift. He just unwrapped it for us. That gift that's under the tree, the tree of Calvary. He just unwrapped it for us. And he says, listen, you can have this gift. You can have Jesus, the God-man. You just have to believe. And when you have that God-man, that relationship with him, you have God who lives inside of you with all of his wonderful nature, all of his power, all of his counsel, all of his peace, all of all of what Isaiah has just unwrapped. He is yours. And you walk with him. That's Christmas from Isaiah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. This last verse is on the screen behind me. Thank, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, Isaiah tried to describe him, and I think he fell short. And Lord, we try to describe you, and I do all the time from this pulpit, and I am always falling short. There's nothing that can truly capture the wonder of Jesus. We all really do walk into that theater thinking we're seeing the movie and we're looking at only the pale imitation of it. Lord, turn us around, open our eyes, turn on that flashlight. Let us see a little bit more how incredible you are. And may our hearts be filled with wonder and worship and adoration. We love you. We thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the birth of your son. In Jesus' name, amen.